Welcome to Sports Talk with R and J. I'm I'm Steve Risser, along with Justin D'Onofrio, and it has been a long and a crazy week. We're finally on. I mean, it's just been a long and a crazy week. You know, here in Connecticut, there's been a bunch of power outages. Internet's been going out, and we had the storm on Tuesday. So we're finally on. We're finally here to do a show. And, I mean, it's, it's a it's going to be a, busy, it's a really busy show this week. I mean, we got the NBA and the NHL. They're in full swing. The NFL started training camp. College football is deciding uh, if they're going to have a season or not. But we got to start again with baseball. And you thought this was going to be a COVID-free week in baseball until yesterday when uh, three more members of the Cardinals organization came down with, uh, with COVID-19. Now a total of 16 members, including Yadier Molina. And it resulted in the Cardinals missing another series. Their series against the Cubs this week has been postponed. And this has just been crazy all throughout, throughout, throughout baseball. I mean, it's just, it's just been, it's been a terrible start to their season with COVID-19, obviously starting with the Marlins, now the Cardinals. This is now impacting nine teams, nine teams scheduled so far. The Cardinals have only played five games. We have teams playing 14 or 15 games. So the Cardinals are way behind. They're going to let the play, like I saw, like 55 games in 47 days to try to play 60 games. That's, and that's pretty much impossible. So they're probably going to have to go off winning percentage. So this has just been an absolute mess for baseball. And it just continued to get worse yesterday with more Cardinals members testing, uh, coming down with COVID-19. And I'm telling you, if one more team has a major outbreak like this, I think we could say we could we could kiss the baseball season goodbye. Yeah, it's it, with the Cardinals, it's crazy because it seemed like they you know, they're about to um, get back in action last night. It was the Cubs, and all of a sudden, uh, Friday morning, yeah, three more test positive, and it's just um, again, it you know, I, this is really like this, you know, besides the Marlins, it's yeah, it has affected 19, but I think one of the big um advantages baseball has is after the Phillies all tested negative we've kind you know you kind of found out that maybe you know this isn't transmitted transmittable on the field which is kind of a little bit to the um to baseball's advantage but yeah you know like you can't have the Cardinals playing 55 games next 47 days you can't have them playing eight double headers it's just I know you know they'll have 28 players in the roster but that's still too many you know too many double headers and we're seeing pitchers go down like flies right now so, yeah, you know, how many more teams could have an outbreak before we have to go, you know, before you have to shut it down? You, you can't keep having this, even if it's only once a week. You know, um, it's just impossible to keep having a season if a team keeps getting an outbreak. Because then you're off for a week, too, and you really can't really train much. I know, you know, they sent most of the guys that got tested positive back home, but still, like, you're sitting in your hotel for five days waiting for the test to come back. And for a major league player not to see at bats or for a pitcher not to throw bullpen, it's pretty hard to kind of get back up to the game speed where someone's been playing, you know, last two weeks in full swing. So it's tough for these teams that cannot, um, you know, that has to miss a series or two series because of this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just, I just don't think these teams are going to be able to, you know, make up these games. Just, or, I mean, the Marlins missed a week, the Phillies missed a week, the Car- three teams have missed a week of baseball. That, that just, that just can't happen. I mean, I just don't think these games are going to get made up. And is it, is it real? is it really fair to go off winning percentage too, when you're not playing, when you're not playing the full 60 games to decide if, if, if they're going to be playoff teams or not. So yeah, this is, this is just a total, this is a total disaster. And you thought, yeah, this looked like a good week for baseball. And then this, this comes up again. And it just it just continues. It could, the, the issues continue. Not being in a bubble, which you looked at the success the NBA and the NHL have. They've had a, they've had barely, nobody has tested positive. And now you look at baseball. You've had two teams that are three teams that pretty much have missed a week of games because of positive tests. Yeah, and it's such a disadvantage to them because now when they play next week, especially at the Cubs, 
when, you know, because none of these guys are tested positive, especially from the next week. Yeah, you've been off all weekend. It's just, it's not a good, it's not a good thing for baseball players to be off for, a, you know, a good chunk because of the rhythm and timing that they need. Um, it's just, yeah, I don't know how much more baseball can do or take of a team getting an outbreak. So, yeah, you know, I think this is a huge week for baseball. Hopefully that there's no more outbreaks between a team and the Cardinals can hopefully get back on the field uh, Monday or Tuesday next week. Yeah, I mean, I'll be more confident in the baseball. If we go next week without any any outbreaks from an entire team, I'll be more confident in this baseball season. But right now, I'm not confident this baseball season is going to finish because we've not proven. I mean, yes, this week we there was a little bit nothing. There hasn't been one, one team has, has not gotten it this week, but the lingering effects from the Cardinals have still gone on this week. So if there's another week where no one gets it, I'll become more and more confident that we'll have a baseball season. You know, I same with you. If, you know, if if gonna get through this weekend, it's just the Cardinals. They're able to get healthy and play Monday, Tuesday. Then I feel a lot better about baseball. But if there's another team that kind of comes out with it today or tomorrow or Monday. It, yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of trouble in baseball. There was a weird story with the Mets uh, last Sunday with Yoana Cespedes, and uh, I was actually watching the game while while it was happening. And the announcers were and the announcers were saying, you know, Gary, Ron, and Keith, they were saying that. Uh, Cespedes never let you know anyone know where he was. The Mets didn't even know where he was, which is crazy. The Mets had no idea where he was on Sunday. And then, you know, late in the game, it was reported that he had uh, – he didn't even tell the Mets that he – Brody Van Ragenen said that he had opted out of the 2020 season, which really ends a very, very, very interesting legacy for Yoana Cespedes with the Mets. I mean, we remember when he was traded in 2015 uh, to, from the Tigers for uh, Michael Fulmer and one of Joe's favorite players, Luis Sessa. But he was traded from the, from the Tigers in 2015 to the Mets, and I mean, and he was he and and in, in the second half of 2015, he was the reason. If without him, the Mets don't go to the World Series. He was the reason in 2015 the Mets went to the World Series. I mean, 17 home runs, 42 RBIs. He hit over 300. He was great for the Mets in uh, 2015. Really good in uh, in 2016 as well when the Mets got to the playoffs. But then from 2017 on, it has been, uh, you know, his his legacy has been really weird. Just a lot of injuries. He just hasn't just hasn't been able to stay on the field. That's been the biggest thing. Missed half the season in uh, in seventeen, most of the season in eighteen, and all of the season in nineteen, and now pretty much all of the season in two thousand twenty-two. So just a very very interesting legacy of Yoana Cespedes' career with the Mets. Yeah, it is it? You know, I think he only played like what 39, 40 games in the last like four years, something like that. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it hasn't been a lot. And the interesting is thing was Brody Van Wagen was former agent too, so that's kind of the interesting thing is you you figure because he had some type of relationship with them um and especially in the year 2020 when you kind of go missing like that you never know it kind of turned it was a kind of scary situation because it's like with this year it's been on it just seems like bad news after more bad news so you kind of you know you hope that he wasn't in trouble and it doesn't you know thank god he wasn't it sounded like you know he was at a, he was at a mall i saw a photo of him sunday um but yeah i just as a professional i, I don't know how you don't tell your team I'm not, you know, I, I'm going to opt out and make your agent do it halfway through a ball game, you know. Um, that's probably the last time we'll probably see him in a major league uniform. I think if he gets any contract this offseason, it's going to be a minor league team. It's going to be a minor league contract. I don't, you know, until he proves he can stay healthy and proves that, um, you know, he can, you know, he won't pull off a stunt like this again. Can, can you really trust him in the clubhouse? So, um, he, you know, and unfortunate because he looks like he, going to have a really solid career, especially the way he was playing, you know, helped the Mets get to that World Series in 2015. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just it's unfortunate. And, and, and the Mets gave him that big contract. I mean, they gave he gave they gave him that contract in 2016, that three year deal. Then he opted out because he had that one year opt out. Then he got that big contract in uh, in 2000 and uh, he got that big contract uh, after the 2016 season, a four year deal, which is going to expire after this year. And yeah, it's just just it's just sad. It's a it's a sad legacy for him. I mean, he he. I mean, the Mets expected him to be one of their pop, one of their big bats in the middle of that lineup for years to come. And really, he really only had two good years with them. Yeah, really, yeah, really, yeah. Because the last two, he's had the ankle surgery, then he had the foot surgery. It's just, it's yeah, it's been one injury after another. It's been very unfortunate because he looked like he would really be a star for years to come. We, we, you know, we saw the potential, you know, um, and he had a couple of good years before getting the Mets and then the 2015. But you know, he was a guy that yeah, he, he thought he was gonna be a huge superstar in this league, and it just, um, just the injuries really caught up to him, and he has not been able to, you know, um, escape them. It's they're still kind of. Um, and he really, you know, and he really struggled out of the box this season, which some, you know, we've, we've seen some of the big, big guys ha- uh, have struggled, but it's un- it's unfortunate to see, um, to see that this, this is how his met career ends. Oh yeah. I mean, just, just, just a lot of promise there and it just, and it ends pretty much, you know, the way the last four years have been. Just not, I mean, you don't blame him for opting out due to COVID. I mean, if that happens, yeah, yeah I don't blame anybody for opting out at all due to, due to the, that, the, that circumstance. But if you're going to do it, you need to let your employer know. You let, let your team, let your team know, because doing that and not letting the team know that's in my opinion, even if it's for COVID, that's classless. You should let your, your, your general manager and your team know if you're opting out or not. Yeah, he should. You know, he's a professional athlete. He's in his thirties. Yeah. He's in his all. He should be able to tell him. Now, I don't know if you heard this, but this is kind of one of the other reasons why he wanted to opt out. Not certain, you know, maybe, you know, some of it probably was for COVID, but he thought the Mets were benching him because um, so that they wouldn't have to pay him his initiatives for his contract. Incentives. Yeah, his incentives. Yeah, sorry. Um, now, the only, you know, the thing was, is that, you know, if he thought of that, I don't know why he didn't just um, file a grievance with the Mets, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, that, that was one of the rumors of why he opted out, just because he was not happy with the playing time and he thought the Mets were doing it purposely. Um, that's kind of one of the reasons may, I think maybe he didn't tell the team, but still, um, as an adult in your 30s, as a professional athlete, you got you got to tell your team that you're opting out. I don't, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you're a grown man. I mean, if, if, if any of us uh, just didn't show up to our job, we would be fired. Yeah. Okay. You got to tell your employer, you're not going to show up to work. Yeah. I don't mind when you, I don't, I don't have any problem with opting out mm-hmm. for, for, because of COVID-19 reasons. This is a, this is a deathly, this is a deadly virus, but if you're going to opt out, you need to tell your coworker. That's what has to happen. Yeah. Plain and simple. Yeah. Yeah. You hit that. You know, that's a great point. You, you do. Cause anybody, you know, you know, everybody has to show up to work. You know, you, you can't just get, hey, I'm not going in. I'm not going to tell anybody. Yeah, you're going to get fired. It's it just, I just, I don't, I don't understand why he just could not make the phone call and just tell him. You know, I don't, I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, an easy phone call would have just done it and, and, and would have probably given him more, a lot more respect in the organization than what he pulled off on Sunday. It's unfortunate. And I mean, I understand, I understand what he's doing, but you got to be able to contact your employer if you're going to do something like that. 
But we have we we're going to move on to the NFL, and uh, Thursday was the uh, deadline for players to opt out of the season and not get their and and, and still get some of some of their salary from uh, for, for the for the 2020 season. And interesting, Tre'Davious White. Uh, a lot of players were getting on him on because he was on the fence of opting out or not, and a lot of guys were getting on Tre'Davious White for uh, the Bills for. Uh, for uh wanting to opt out like fans were saying come on stop but i think those fans are totally ignorant for saying that he's 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 putting his life on the line to play this nfl season if he doesn't want to play this season because of a deadly virus you can't blame him yes i know you're the favorite in the afc east but if you if and uh, but you cannot blame somebody for putting their life on the for, for putting their life on the, don't want to put their life on the line don't feel comfortable putting their life on the line you can't blame someone for that and, and, and he responded back. He, he responded right back to those fans and said, I, you know, I'm, I'm here to protect my family. You guys, you guys that want to sit there and say that, that, uh, Oh, you're, you're soft. You're giving up. No, this is a human being that is worried about his well-being and, and, and his life. I mean, you, so I just think people who hated on him for that are totally, totally ignorant. Oh, yeah, totally. I, you know, and again, I just don't understand how fans can, you know, come out and just say that, you know, I just with the year that we've been having in this virus, you, you know, because he's got to worry about his health and his family's health. You know, we don't know anything behind the scenes. Scenes like he, you know, he, so there could be like a mental, you know, there could be an illness, you know, that maybe his parents had or a, a sibling or an, an uncle. You know, you we don't know any of that. I just, yeah, I just think it's very immature to the fans who called him out and you know, calling him baby and all all that for not playing. I, I you know, it's just. I don't. I don't understand how fans can defend themselves or saying stuff like that. Just you know, because you you never know. You know, we've even seen it with perfectly healthy people. You know, it's look at Water Rodriguez in Boston. He opted out. He's got like a heart infection now. Still swollen. It, the swelling hasn't gone down in two weeks or something. So, you know, it, it affects all of us. It could affect all of us. You know, it affects us all differently. And we look at the sixty. No, sixty-seven players opted out. Uh, before Thursday's deadline. And some of the key ones, I think the biggest name is from the, from the New York Jets and that's CJ Mosley. I mean, that's a, that's a huge, that's, that's another huge law. I mean, yes, he didn't play that much last year. He only played two games last year, but still look at the Jets uh, a couple weeks ago. They trade Jamal Adams. Now they, they're not going to have CJ Mosley. It's this is going to, this is really, really, I mean, their defense is definitely, is definitely not going to be, it's going to be maybe average to below. Jerick Williams did a really good job last year with it, but it's going to be average to below average with average to below average offensive weapons. Sam Darnold, man, he's going to, he's going to have, he has his work cut out for him this year. To even be, if, he, if the Jets are a 500 team, he should be a Pro Bowl quarterback because this is probably one of the worst rosters in the league. Yeah, this, this roster's in bad shape. Yeah, it's been a rough few weeks for the Jets and Jet fans. Uh, yeah, trading Adams. Now you have CJ Mosley opting out. And remember, you know, week one last year, they were beating um, the Bills week one. 16 nothing. Yeah. And, and, Sixty nothing in the third quarter when he got hurt, and they ended up losing the game seventeen sixteen. Yeah, so you can kind of tell right there he's, you know, a huge important piece of that defense, and you know that linebacker now he's gone. It's it's going to be a long year for Jet fans, especially because that offense really didn't improve too much, and now you took a big step back defensively. And he's probably the biggest name to opt out, and it's such a huge loss for the Jets. Yeah, and the thing the thing is is now like pretty much half his uh, four year 
deal for over 50, 50 million, most of that guaranteed money is probably now, <laughs> he, he's probably got most of his guaranteed money and he only played, and he only played two games in the last, he's only going to play two games in the last two years. Definitely can't blame him for opting out due to COVID, but it's, it's just, it's just crazy. The, the Jets pay all this money and now they're not going to get pretty much any value, haven't gotten any value out of Mosley the last two years. Yeah, you know, and especially last year, it's unfortunate he got hurt, and especially yeah, this year opting out. Yeah, I you know, right with you. You cannot blame a guy for opting out. You cannot, you know, you you can't blame him. It's just you know, if you want, you know, he wants to stay healthy. He wants to not catch us. Wants to keep his family healthy. You can't blame him. It's it's tough for the Jets to pay him all this money. You've seen him for two games in two years, but it, you know, with the year that we're in in twenty twenty, it is what it is. It's kind of everything's unfair right now, and it's just that's another kind of piece of it it's it's unfair you know um it's just you know and hopefully next year you can stay healthy and you know it's gonna really um eat the money for for you know death will get the most out of them next year hopefully yeah yeah we'll see what happens there and you look at other obviously other notable guys who opted out high tower uh damian williams of the chiefs you got sean cannon uh jawan james of the uh of the broncos uh 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 uh, Garrett, uh, you got Marcus Gilbert of the Cardinals, uh, uh Marcus Goodwin of the Eagles, and then, uh, la- uh, lastly, with the Giants, you had a uh, Sam Beal and you had uh, Nate Soldier. So, you've had you know, I'm not really a ton of superstars. I think the, the biggest name guys are obviously Mosley and Hightower. You then you, you pretty much have like you know, solid starters. No, it's really not a ton of players that have huge importance because middle linebacker, I don't think, is. That is 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 one of the probably the least important positions on an NFL team in two thousand and uh, in two thousand twenty. But yeah, but still, I mean, you, you got key starters, especially with the Patriots and even a couple guys from the Giants. You look at the Giants with now Soldier. You have to have a rookie start at left tackle with Andrew Thomas, and then Sam Beal, and seeing what's going on with, with Sam Beal, and seeing what's going on with DeAndre Baker. That's that's their, their corners are really thin right now for the Giants. So you got you don't have superstars, but you have solid starters that are not playing, and that's that definitely can affect teams this year. It definitely, you know, um, we we do, and I, I was surprised that maybe it wasn't more. I you know, I I fear to be, you know, more guys. Like I know the McCourty brothers think about it. I'm surprised they didn't opt out. I thought I thought they were. I actually, that, those were the two guys I thought were Jason and Devin. I thought they definitely were going to opt out. Especially they're going to play. Yeah, because they make they make comments too. Yeah, and I and I agree with them. I I think because. Look, baseball, you can still opt out. I think I think it's I, – I don't like that the NFL is making you do it now, and I understand coaches have to build the roster now and all that, but, you know, I think maybe in, like, two weeks if your team has an outbreak and you kind of go, I don't want to be here anymore, you know. Uh, I, I didn't really like that by the NFL. I think they need to give them a little bit more time, especially if they start working out. You know, I, I don't – that's just me. I don't – you know, and I was surprised more players weren't, um, you know – weren't like you know like with the McCordy brothers they came out and kind of um spoke about it I you know may, maybe most of them feel confident and you know and, and maybe the, their families are fine fine and all that so, but I don't know I didn't really like that the NFL made the opt-out they are already when it's you still have a month before opening kickoff so I wasn't a big fan of it but um I, I was surprised it was only 67 I thought it was gonna be close to maybe 100 but um yeah who knows 
yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see and we'll see what ends up happening there. And obviously, we have had a team that's been affected by COVID. You look at the Lions. I mean, Kenny Galladay tested positive. He's still on the uh, COVID nineteen reserve list. Matthew Stafford, who had a false positive stats, he's been taken off the list. But still, I mean, the Lions have definitely they were hit they were hit hard with the uh, in the first week. You know I mean, I heard the Stafford story was a little, was pretty crazy. He had tested positive on a Friday, and then he had and he had Saturday, Sunday, and Monday he had negative tests, and then. And they found out they, are, they were false positive tests, and he's been taken off the list. But the, their best receiver tested positive, and he's still on that COVID nineteen list. So the Lions have definitely been hit hard with the uh, have been hit hard with COVID to, to start the year. Yeah, they have, and you know, and especially you know the Stafford one's a little bit scary because I know his wife had the um, had a brain tumor removed, I think, last year. So you know, I don't know if she's cancer free or not yet. So that you know, that, like that's a scary, you know. That must have been a scary one for Matt Stafford and his family. Um, but luckily, it was a false positive. That's another thing. You know, that some of these tests, they're not even, you know, you get these false positives still. Um, you can't really even, you know, they're not even 100% accurate. But, um, Cal, yeah, Galladay having it too it is another tough one for the Lions to have that kind of one. And especially, yeah, because he's not, you know, he is not back and it's been over. It's been a week now. Um, it definitely has. And then – um. The tight end too, TJ um, um, Jordan um has it too. I guess because he's been working out with Kenny Galladay. Oh, well. uh, Hawkinson, you mean? Yeah, Hawkinson. Yes, I don't. Yeah, um, yeah. Hawkinson. Um, he has it as well. I guess because he's been working out with um Galladay. So that's what yeah. I heard too when I was uh, reading it. Yeah, it's just so, been crazy. Yeah, it's, it's just been crazy. I mean, yeah, and then then obviously we have a head coach that, that tested positive too, and he's still uh, in quarantine. And away from the team, and that's Doug Peterson yeah, from the Philadelphia Eagles. He, we, yes, I'm a Giants fan, but I definitely hope he's doing well and he's staying safe. This is no joke, COVID-19, obviously. But, yeah, Doug Peterson, who's away – this is a week of training camp where a coach is away from his team, and that's not normal at all. So that's not normal at all. So, yeah, Doug Peterson came down with the virus on Sunday, and he's still away from his team. Yeah, that's, that's tough for a coach. You're missing, like, the first week of real practices here, and you're not – able to be a part of it you're not able to be on the field see what you got especially with no preseason you don't really get to see what you have luckily it's asymptomatic it seems like he's doing fine which is great news and hopefully uh he recovers quickly and able to get back on the field soon absolutely absolutely yeah, our, our wishes our wishes are out with doug peterson we hope he's doing well we hope he's staying safe down in philadelphia but we have another domino that has fallen in college sports, and pretty much the first domino I feel like that that could be it could be the first domino that falls, and that's the MAC canceling fall sports, the first FBS conference to cancel fall sports for the uh, for, for the fall season, and this definitely this definitely could end up being a domino effect. I could see. I mean, yes, we've seen the ACC, we've seen, we've seen the ACC schedule being eleven games and a plus, eleven games with Notre Dame and a plus one. The uh, the, the the SEC schedule with just ten games. The, the Big Ten schedule just ten games. The uh, the uh, Big Twelve schedule uh, nine games with the, with the, with the with the plus one. And uh, the Pac twelve schedule. Uh, 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 I think it's uh, ten. Uh, I think it's ten games. Just ten. Just conference play. So uh, it's it's just. But this is the first because the MAC. Yes, the MAC is not a is not a Power Five conference, but it's an, it is an FBS conference, and that's going to get some of these FBS conferences to think. Are, what are we doing the right thing here? Are we doing the right thing putting these student athletes on the field? And you know, the NCAA, now Joe put up a graphic. The NCAA policy will allow athletes who opt out to keep their scholarships. And I 100% agree with that. They should absolutely keep their scholarships. That's absolutely the right thing NCAA is doing. 
completely the right thing in that case. And then they did completely the right thing in the spring, giving some of those athletes, giving those athletes the extra year as well. So the NCAA doing completely the right thing here, giving athletes that opt out to, to, to doing athletes that opt out the option to keep their scholarship. So absolutely the right thing by the NCAA right there. I completely agree with that. So, but these conferences need to think they need to put kids health and safety above television contracts. These conference commissioners and ADs need to listen. You can't put a kid's life on the line. This is a professional sport. You can't put their life on the line for the risk of money. I know, I know it's going to be a, a lot of colleges are going to be in the red. A lot of conferences are going to be in the red if they don't play this college football season, but you have to risk that. You have to risk that. You'd rather risk that than risk a, a human being's life. I mean, yes, you lose money, but you cannot risk losing a, a human being's life. And I think we're going down a path where we're probably not going to have college. I, I don't think we're going to have college football this year. I mean, I hate to say it, but I don't think we're going to have college football. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of at the, the Big Ten presidents are meeting today about the fall, about the football season. So I think we could have a real domino effect with the Big Ten um today or tomorrow because yeah I, I i agree with you i think at this point we should not have a season i don't you know I, I just there's just no way we don't know what this virus is gonna do in a month or two i know like the sec oh we're gonna start like september 15th or 22nd whatever you know they're gonna start like late september you don't know what's gonna be like in a month and a half so that made me no difference it's gonna get worse in november it's just I, I completely agree with you. I'm kind of getting that. I'm kind of in that mindset. There's not going to be any college football in a few weeks. Um, it's just no way. And like beat Boston College, you they're supposed to play Ohio their non-conference game. That's scrapped now. So now they would have to find a different one. I I think the MAC made the right move. And a lot of these um, of the um, group of five conferences, they're trying to they're still trying to keep non-conference play to try to make some money and, and get some. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to work. And we, we've seen the Mac, and the Mac's already kind of in trouble. They already dropped their baseball sponsorship. They're already in, tr in trouble um, as, a, as a whole, the entire conference. And I think they've kind of just realized there's just no way. And um, it, there, there's really no way. I, unless there's a miracle in the next few weeks, there's, there's no way there'd be college football. And I don't even think it's really smart to really do it in the spring because then what do you tell guys if you end it in June? Take two weeks off, come back, and get ready for the twenty twenty. Oh, this this the spring makes no to me to me for the Power Five conferences or even the MAC. The spring makes no sense yeah. because even if you play in the spring, you're getting a completely watered down product. Because anybody who's going to be taking, you, you could even argue anybody that's even going to be but even going to be drafted. I mean, even at least in the in the t first five rounds, is not playing. So you're going to have a completely completely watered down product. It's going to be a waste to be playing college football in the spring. It's either play it in the fall. Or there's no college football. And end of discussion. That's yeah. it. No playing college football in the spring, and especially for the power. Maybe for the non-power fives, I could see for the power five conferences, it's either in the fall or nothing at all. Yeah, no, I, I I'm with you. I I just think it springs just way too close the next season. Um, yeah, and you're gonna have all those kind of you're gonna have all the guys opt out um, of the NFL draft. You're not gonna have any of the big name stars, and then you kind of you know you can't you you know you're gonna lose like you know let's say like Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow probably was like a fifth, sixth round pick last year. He probably opt out next. You know he oh easily he yeah. Out, and we don't get you know and Joe Burrow you know we don't get kind of that Joe Burrow. So you you're not gonna kind of get that you know Cinderella type story with Joe Burrow again. So yeah, it's 
Um, it just would not make any sense to go in the spring and just kind of take the year off. But I think it would it, – now, college football ratings are good, but you lose it for a season, and I know it's going to be a lot of hardship to a lot of universities. Yeah, but you have to – yeah, yeah, but you no, have to put the you have to yeah. put the kids first. The health and safety of the kids you have to put first. Who cares about the ratings or anything? You have to put health. This isn't professional sports. You have to put these are eighteen to twenty year old kids. You have to put them first. Yeah, no, I yeah yeah I know. And I, I I was the point I was kind of making was I'm saying you lose it this year, but then maybe next you know if every help hopefully everything goes well, we get the vaccine and all that in 2021. Now that you know you kind of lost it for a year, you, maybe you get more people that are more casual fans, or maybe just watch like one or two games a year. Maybe they actually turn into fans because maybe they're like, "Oh, I miss watching college football on a Saturday," and they really get into it. So maybe you know, so it possibly could maybe help. Um, you know, just trying to look at a bright side, it could maybe help the 21, 2021 season if you do lose it this year. Um, so I'm, you know, I was just trying to make it, you know, spin it into some of a positive yeah i i get you there i get you there because of course i i i agree with you you know they should not put student athletes on the line you know for guys that you know will not get paid and all that you know i, I t- completely agree and you're as big of a college football fan as anyone yeah it, you know it's tough and i and i agree that there should not be a season you know I, i'll be dis. i wouldn't be dis. it's just you're you're looking you're 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 asking for a lawsuit when somebody gets really sick or die, boy, God forbid, dies. You're you're just looking for a lawsuit, and that is the worst thing the NCAA uh, could have on their hands. You're just you're gonna make things look even worse, and they're gonna get even more hate because we, you know, because we know the NCAA is not the greatest uh, corporation in the world. No, no, and, and look, you've already got players from conferences that have, have already been, you know, discussing concerns in the Pac-12. They've already been discussing concerns about, you know, playing the season. Now the SEC players are, are are talking about concerns playing the season too, and 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 now you got and you got players opting out already, big time players. I mean, Micah Parsons of Penn State, he's gonna be he's gonna be a top ten pick, best linebacker in the draft. He's already declared for the draft and he's opted out. You got uh, Rondell Moore from Purdue, he's he, he's already opted out. Uh, uh, Richard Bateman from uh, Minnesota, he's opted out. And then uh, who's that defensive end? What's his name again? Um, from Miami. Um, um, yeah, the rookie of the year. I cannot. Um, I yeah, can't he, he's going to be a top. He's probably going to be a top ten pick. He's opted out. So you've had all these guys opt out. I mean, he's good players opt out. He, and Trevor Lawrence did say today, 100, percent he's not opting out. But you're going to have also other top prospects opting out. I could see too before the start of the season. Yeah, you know, and, and I know Syracuse. They were supposed to start practice Friday. They did not practice. And Dino, their head coach, Dino Baber, um, Babers was with them, you know, um, in meetings as well, kind of talking about do they want a player or not. So it, it could sound like maybe, you know, Syracuse is another team that maybe um, kind of falls out here. I know they're supposed to practice today. I don't, I haven't seen anything on if they want to practice or not. Um, so, you know, yeah, you're going to see more and more guys opt out in a few weeks as I think guys still don't are very undecided if there's even going to, if they're going to even play or not. I know big 10 today said they're going to practice helmets only for the next few weeks or yeah, I think for the next week or so. So again, you know, everybody's kind of does not know what to do. Nobody really wants to be the first one to pull the string on the season. Maybe the Mac is the one here that kind of is a domino effect for everybody else. I thought maybe UConn do when they did that Wednesday was kind of going to be the one um you know um maybe it start that kind of domino but it kind of maybe starts today and uh it, it was a good call by UConn to 
canceled the season. They already lost their big game. So, uh, and I think they, they've kind of really, they kind of knew there's not going to be real, there's not going to be any season and it, and there shouldn't be a season. Yeah. Once they went to conference play, I had a good, I had a feeling that UConn was not going to have a season because they're an independent, uh, really a team that would have trouble your conference really would not take them because their program isn't good at all. So I really thought once they, once, once they, you saw uh, college football pretty much go into conference play only, I had a feeling UConn was not going to have a season. And this was the right decision by Dave Benedict. You don't want to put these student athletes at risk. And it's it t- totally the right decision. And I completely agree with it. Yeah. You know, it, it's yeah. You, you know, it, I, um, I do completely agree with it. Cause um, now New Mexico State's AD wants to play a round Robin with the other independents, but you already lost Notre Dame. And is it really smart for Connecticut to go fly all the way to New Mexico State? Not it really. makes it makes no sense. And here, here's another thing with this conference play. I think it's it's totally hypocritical though to have this only conference play because here's here's the deal. You're telling people you're telling people that it's okay for a Nebraska to fly from Nebraska kids from Lincoln, Nebraska to fly to Piscataway, New Jersey. It's okay for that, but it's not okay for Georgia to play Georgia tech or Florida state to play Florida or uh, Clemson to play South Carolina. To me, that's completely hypocritical. I think the NCAA has done some good stuff, but this conference play, I feel like it's totally hypocritical because you're these, these, these close rivals from that from different conferences can't play each other. But these, these, if you look at conference like the big 10, you have teams from uh Nebraska and uh, and Illinois, and then you got teams from Maryland and Rutgers. Those teams can play each other. That is totally hypocritical. There's one big reason why they're doing this. The why? 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 They yeah. don't want to pay the group of fives. They don't want to pay. Oh, okay. They don't want to pay Miami, Ohio, or Ohio okay. All right. The two million dollars. But, but if them. but if you truly cared about kids' safety, uh, there's no way Nebraska should be playing Rutgers if you're really caring about kids' safety. Yeah, I look. I don't. You know, it, it's funny that. Yeah, you know, I thought like it'd be like regional. Like I think Boston College is flying to Florida State. Well, that's no, ridiculous. That's, or no, they're going to Georgia Tech. No, oh, I, that's I still that's bad. Yeah, going to Florida State. So it, yeah, it, it makes no sense. It, it really doesn't. I that that's the way, you know, and that's why it just doesn't make any sense to do a conference schedule. But the reasoning is, the big guys do not want to pay the little guys a million dollars because they're not going to make any ticket revenue. So, you know, they, they don't want to lose their money and they don't want to, you know, they don't want to give it, they, they don't want to lose any more money by paying, you know, Akron or, you know, anybody in a group of five to one by 50. That's, that's really the main reason why it's so, cause it is travel, but uh, that's kind of the big reason why. Yeah. But yeah, 15 years ago, you were probably okay with just conference play. Cause a lot of the teams were close to each other, but with realignment, you have a lot of these teams in these conferences that are, that are, and are far, far apart from each other. And a lot of these conferences in the ACC, in the Big Ten, uh, Big 12 is pretty close, and Pac-12 are pretty close. But if you look at the ACC and the Big Ten, there's there's a lot of long trips. I think it's flat-out hypocritical to, to to cancel certain games with against opponents that are closer and it'd be safer for the kids and then play teams that are halfway across the country. That's completely hypocritical. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, it, it is. And I just – now, and, and I know they have to fit – you know, what 10 games and I'm surprised they didn't even try to make it like six or seven and just start in October. That makes more sense. And it kind of seems healthier because in the ACC, you kind of group like the Syracuse pit, the order Dame pit, you know, Virginia, Virginia tech kind of play those five, six schools right there. You could have kind of grouped it like that and just made it six or seven weeks and just said, okay, we got a cloud football season. Cause if you can get just play a couple now, if it's healthy, 
and we some sort of miracle and we're able to get through all this, I'm fine just with team playing four or five games, that'd be it. I'd take that at this point. You know, like, so I don't know why they got to try the 10 comic game schedule because, yeah, you, you do have some long distances between teams, especially like West Virginia. West Virginia, no, their road trips are close. Or anybody that's coming to West Virginia. I know, yeah, in the Big 12, yeah. Everybody else in the Big 12 is pretty pretty regional. West yeah. Virginia is a huge outlier. Oh, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I don't know. I was more kind of hoping maybe six or seven games. So in October and kind of in December because you really can't go over – that second, third week, because it's kind of finals for guys. You don't, you know, so they like to kind of end it then. So guys can kind of worry, kind of get ready for finals. And then the bowl season, you know, so I, you know, that's kind of what I was more hoping, but maybe on to try to do time. Exactly. Exactly. We'll see what ends up happening there, but we got to talk about the rankings. And on Thursday, the uh, coaches poll came out with their, with their top 10 and uh, obviously number one, I mean, no surprise is Clemson. I mean, with Trevor Lawrence coming back, you got Ross, the receiver coming back. You got Travis Etienne, the running back coming back. This offense looks like it's 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 going to be out. If there's a season, this offense looks like it's going to be outstanding. And I got no issue with Clemson being number one in the coaches poll. I do not either. But um, Justin You're- Ross, I guess you haven't. Um, I guess he's may be have a um, career-ending injury with his neck. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so I, I heard it back in May. They're not sure. He's supposed to have surgery. I haven't heard anything after. Um, But, you know, so he's gone for this year. They're hoping he can continue his career, but um, they, they're not sure yet. Hopefully he can because, you know, that guy, guy's a top 10 pick. Uh, but no surprise, Clemson definitely should be number one. That offense is good. Even without Ross, Justin Ross, that, that offense is still going to be very explosive. At number two, not a surprise here either. You got the second best quarterback in the country, and you got a team that made the college football playoff last year and lost to Clemson. That's the Ohio State Buckeyes. No surprise there. Yeah, they lost Chase Young and J.K. Dobbins, but they got the guy back at the most important position, who arguably could be the best uh, quarterback in the history uh, in, in the school's history, in uh, Justin Fields. I mean, and that's why I'm not surprised at all that Ohio State is number two. Yeah, Ohio State. That definitely feels that all you know they gave Clemson all they can handle last year. Um, they were driving um, late in that game, uh, big interception by the Tigers, and they were able to seal it. So honestly, you know, um, so yeah, you know that'd be great to watch those two again. Um, if you know, probably you know, it would have been great to see those two again. But yeah, definitely Ohio State definitely deserve number two. Um, I guess Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh got. It. Uh, I think we lost. Argument the Oh, yeah, hey, I, I heard about that, yeah. So, uh, Ohio State to be ready to go. Um, but, yeah, definitely number two, Ohio State. At number three, no surprise, you got the Alabama Crimson Tide, traditionally good. Even though they lost Tua, they got Mac Jones is back at quarterback. They got Najee Harris and Devontae Smith. They're clearly in the top three with Ohio State and Clemson. Yeah, you know, another team, they reload year after year. Mac Jones, can you take another um, – Step up now. They still got Waddle outside wide receiver, Najee Harris. Uh, you know, Alabama's wants to take back that SEC West. So, um, you know, Saban will have them ready to go. Um, definitely worthy number three. Here's a little bit of a surprise. And number four, and, and I know there's there's a big drop off from three to four because it's Bama, Clemson, Ohio State are clearly the top three teams going into the season. But at number four, we got Georgia. This is a little bit of a surprise because they lost their starting quarterback in Jacob Fromm, even though they didn't have a great year last year. They lose DeAndre, DeAndre Swift, their starting running back. As Giants fans know, they lose Andrew Thomas. 
and they lost Isaiah Wilson until two start their two starting tackles as well. I'm a little bit surprised how I, I didn't see a lot. I haven't seen a lot of Jamie Newman. I don't know what, what you're getting out of him. I'm a little bit surprised. Georgia is the number four team in the country. Yeah, this one was a little surprising. Now, I all five or the top five leading receivers from last year are back. Uh, oh, okay. Now, Pickens is back, right? Yes, Pickens is back. Um, I think he should be healthy, I believe, too. Um, and Jamie Newman coming from Wake Forest, fastest team in the country last year um, in between plays. He's fun to watch. He's It's very different than a Georgia offense, which kind of concerns me a little bit. Um, Wake loves to spread you out. Um, and they also got USC transfer JT Daniels. So a uh, little QB competition. He did get the waiver to be eligible if there is a season. Um, but it, it was a little bit surprised. The Georgia offense could be fun. I really like Jamie Newman. Um, it, he could surprise some folks if there's a season. At number five, we got the defending national champions, LSU Tigers. And I'm not surprised they're not they're not in the top three because they lost a ton from last year with uh, with losing Joe Burrow, losing uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Then you lost uh, Justin Jefferson. And on defense, you obviously lost Patrick Queen as well and uh, Grant Delpit and KV on chase. And so they lost a ton from last year, but they do still have one of the best receivers in the country in Jamar chase. And they got Derek Stanley jr. As well. And they, and LSU is one of those programs that does reload quarterback position is definitely going to be the big question mark though, for the tigers this year. Yeah, it is. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they um, kind of bounce back. I think it's going to be miles. Brennan, I think is going to be the starting quarterback. I think he has won the job. Um, he only, he played a little bit last year, not much. Played some mob of duty. It's going to be interesting to watch. I think they lost 14 or 15 guys from this roster were drafted. So there's a lot of pieces to, um, you know, fill this year. It's going to be very interesting. And, and, and if they play, we'll know one thing. Is Ed Orgeron a elite coach or is he an elite recruiter? Because this will be the big year. Because last year, let's no offense, a lot of people could have coached that LSU team and, and won a national championship. We'll, because we'll see what kind of coach Ed Orgeron is this year. Yeah, I do, you know. We will, and I do, I do give a lot of credit. I know I said this last year of being able to change that offense and kind of get into that point where he said, all right, I'm done losing Alabama. I'm done getting, you know, getting shut out to Bama. I'm going to change this offense and be able to compete with them. I give him a lot of credit for, for stepping out and doing that. Um, but, again, it helped that you had a quarterback like Joe Burrow to be able to do that with. Um, but, yeah, you know, it, we, we will find out a lot about if he can actually really, really coach these guys or if he's, if he's just another, I can recruit everybody, but they don't really develop and they don't um, keep competing that year in, year out for a national championship. We will, you know, th this is a huge year if, if we have a season for uh, at Georgia. At number six, we got Oklahoma. And yes, they lost, uh, they lost Jalen Hurts and C.D. Lamb, but you just can't doubt Lincoln Riley. Three years in a row in the college football playoff with three different starting quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts. Spencer Rattler's the quarterback this year, right? Yep. I remember him watching him in a Netflix documentary, yeah. too. So, kids, kids got confidence. I mean, he's a little cocky, a little arrogant, but kids got confidence. And, I mean, you got uh, Kenby Brooks, too, at running back as well. I feel like this is the year, though, them and Texas are going to be close because it is Sam Ellinger's senior year. If they play, them and, them and Texas will be close. But – I am. I don't. I'm still not surprised that Oklahoma's number six and is the favorite to win the Big Twelve. Yeah, you know, um, de definitely that offense. First time, you know, you kind of bring in now a sophomore quarterback, Central Rattler. I think you described him beautifully. Very, and I think that helped uh, that a lot of people I, I kind of listened to 
kind of doubt him a bit. And, and obviously, I don't think he's going to put up numbers like the other three quarterbacks have. But I think he can be very successful. Um, again, I think this is the year Oklahoma's defense is going to be decent. They're, I think they, they lost a lot, I think, defensively. So I think they're going to struggle defensively at times. Um, and I think this would be the year Tech was at Oak State. Even Oklahoma State, I think, could knock them off. Yeah, with, with Hubbard, too. Yeah. Even though they had the, that issue with Mike Gundy during the offseason. Yeah, so it does concern me, a li- you know, concern me a little bit. But definitely, I think this is probably the year Oklahoma goes down. I definitely, you know, you have to have them, you know, top 10. They definitely deserve to still be kind of on the top of the Big 12 because they, they have um, just dominated that conference the last pretty much decade. Um, but, yeah, definitely number six. Uh, at number seven are my Penn State Nittany Lions, and I think this was this 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 poll was out before Micah Parsons opted out because Micah Parsons obviously was going to be the best defensive player in the country if he played, and definitely the best linebacker in the country, outstanding player. But this still will be a good team. Sean Clifford returns at quarterback. He needs to be better this year, especially in the big games. He didn't play well against Ohio State or Minnesota last year, the games that they lost. But they, and they do have a good running game uh, with uh, Journey Brown and Noah Kane, and then uh, Pat Firemouth the tight end who could be a first round pick as well. So I still think this is going to be a really good Penn state team. I think if they had Parsons and they could allow fans at games, cause they would have been hosting Ohio state. I think this, this Penn state team could have a chance to make the college football playoff, but with those things that are not, with those things that are, are not going to happen this year, I still think this is a, you know, if, if they play, if they say, say they play 10 games, maybe a seven to eight, maybe a team that goes seven and three or eight and two. But I still think now without Parsons, Ohio state is clearly better than them. Yeah, it's tough to lose your best defensive player, Mika Parsons. And then also, too, with them being a top five pick this year, you know, um, being the def- probably the best defensive player in the draft class right now, I, w- I would say, Parsons. So, yeah, it's a t- such a tough loss. They definitely need Clifford to be better. Seems like, you know, that Minnesota game, he was just a turnover machine. Um, he's got to be more consistent in a big game. Hopefully, you take that step up. Um but yeah, you know, I still do. I really do love the Penn State offense. They're able to score last year. Um, they, you know, they'll be able to score again this year. They'll be able to put up a lot of points, and it definitely does stink that you're not going to get, you know, Ohio State at home without fans and and uh, Michigan State this year. I think was coming. So, um, it, it's tough without the, you know, it, it's it's tough if, the, if there will be a season. Um, you know, but yeah, I think it came. The poll came out right, like literally hours, and then Mika Parsons. Uh, opted out i think it, it was pretty close it's just how it is being a nitty lions fan just being yeah. that close that's how it's yeah. been for you that's how it's been for years in the joe paterno days it was that way and now it's that way in the james franklin era. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's it's remained being that way just that close always worse at ohio state that's just how it always is mm-hmm. uh number eight uh you got florida and i think this is florida's year because the quarterback's coming back right trask is coming back right so i think this is florida's year this could be florida's year to win the uh the SEC East. I think because of Fromm and Swift leaving Georgia, I think this Florida team could win the SEC East. I don't know if they win the SEC, but I think they could get to the SEC championship game this year. I think that this could be their year. Yeah, this is a huge one for Dan Bowen. If, if, if they play Georgia, um, he needs this one in year three. This is finally the time where they feel like they are better than Georgia. And they, you know, they feel that they are the better team than Georgia. And that's has not been the case the last few years. I did read an interesting article a couple months ago that people are talking that Kyle Trask is going to be this year's Joe Burrow. Let's let's slow down there. I, I you know that wasn't even a Florida column. That was oh, oh really? Wrote it. Yeah, that was not a Florida column. I wouldn't have wrote it as a Florida column. Can't remember who wrote it. Uh, it was a couple months ago. 
I thought it was very interesting. They they really think Dan Mullins really um he's coming out had last year under his belt. Now um he's got it got the offseason. Now with all this and not being on you know um being on you know missing part of the spring, we'll see. But you know it could be you know I Dame Dame Mullins has been great at developing quarterbacks, so it, it wouldn't I guess entirely shock me. Um, but I think this is definitely for his year. They also added Penn State transfer Justin Shorter as a wide receiver. Um, kind of helps out with weapons. But yeah, this is definitely for his year. If they do play, this is a huge one for Dan Ball, and it's I you know it's a must win really to prove that Gator fan base that they're truly back. At number nine, we got Oregon. They did lose Justin Herbert, but they get the running back back and see CJ uh, Verdell, and they got a really good tackle, probably one of the best tackles in the draft. Do you know his name? Um, it's, um, swirl, I think. Yeah. One of the top tack, one of the top tackles in the draft, but they do lose Justin Herbert, but is Justin Herbert as big of a loss as people think? Because you, I remember watching the big, tw- the Pac-12 championship game. He didn't even really have a great game statistically. It was more CJ Verdell running the football. And that's why I still think Oregon is the favorite in the Pac-12, even without Justin Herbert. Yeah, definitely. And then, um, so it's, uh, Penny Swallow, Swallow, I think is how you pronounce it. Definitely one of the best tackles in this upcoming draft. Um, we'll see quarterback-wise. I don't think they've announced it yet. It's going to be interesting. Um, I think BC transfer Anthony Brown's coming in. Um, Tyler Shore, I think, also is in the running. Um, but the main guy I really want to see is KV on Thibodeau, the 6'5 uh, defense and the number one overall recruit in uh, 2019 class. He had a nice year last year. Now his sophomore year going to take that step up. Um, I think he's the, the huge piece of that Oregon defense. And definitely, I think they're, again, one pretty pretty much the favorite in that conference. Um, with pretty, you know, because in the Pac-12 North, there's only one team that's that's returning their quarterback from last year, and that's Cal um, and Cal um, uh, Breyers, or Jake Breyers, I think his name is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, we'll, we'll end up we'll end up seeing what's happening there. Yeah, I think Oregon is definitely the favorite in the uh, Pac-12, and then in the uh, in the, the number ten, we got Notre Dame, and I think this is going to be a good year for the Irish. Very good coach in Brian Kelly got the quarterback returning in Ian Book, and now playing in the ACC, and they got if they play this season, they got that Clemson game at at, at home. That's good. if those two teams are undefeated playing that game, that's in November. That is going to be huge. And that game's at Notre Dame, even though there won't be any fans. Yeah. That game is at, is at home. So, but I do think they're a little because we saw them play Clemson in the college football playoff and a couple of years ago, and Clemson outplayed them. So, but I do, I do can see why they're the number ten team in the country with Ian Book, and you have a great coach in Brian Kelly. Yeah, you know, um, Notre Dame fans, and and they would also, you know, obviously now that they're in the ACC this year, they can play for the ACC championship game. So if they somehow run the table in the ACC, that's another thing their fan base can. Uh, be very proud of that they got their first conference title. It'd be weird seeing them apart now, officially as the, as the um, um, part of the ACC and actually playing uh, actual ACC schedule. Um, but yeah, you know, um, definitely going to be. I think another big year for them. Um, you know, we all, as we all know, that fan base wants another national championship. I don't know. If, you know, I think Clemson's better than than them as we, um, but. It's definitely going to be very. It's a very interesting year to watch Notre Dame in the ACC conference. Um, kind of sinks that they lose. We missed their big rivals now this year with like a Navy and it, that they've been playing since 1927. USC, I think they played since 1954. 
So that kind of stings a little bit, um, but it is what it is this year. And it, it, it'll be a cool contrast to see Notre Dame play in the ACC. All right, before we move off college football, uh, what is your who is your one sleeper team you think that could uh, that could make a, that could make a run to the college football playoff that wasn't in the top ten? That's I, in the top. That's in the top twenty-five, but not in the top ten. I love now. I love Texas A&M. I've, I've, Mond, Mond is back, right? Yep, Mond's back. But I, I would love them because they're just the conference they play in, though. They got to play LSU. They got to play Alabama. That's that's hard. But I haven't they, seen their schedule though. They get them at home, and they oh okay. Them. And then they're supposed to play in the East team that they're playing is Vandy, South Carolina. They get Florida at home, and they go to Tennessee. Oh, okay, so okay. I you know I thought with the regular schedule. That that was my big team this year. I thought they couldn't def. I think they could definitely make a run. Now the thing was, it was inconsistent play from the Aggies last year, and they've got they had some guys hurt offensively. Um, but if they can stay healthy, I think, and this is huge for Jimbo Fisher. They're they're the fan base is starting to kind of question him if he's the guy that can um, get them on top of the SEC. So this this is a huge huge year. They got a lot of pieces back. Um, I think they have a bunch of juniors. I think a couple of seniors. So. Very, very up, um, upper class offense. So I, I, I really like the Aggies. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. But we got to get down to Orlando and talk about the NBA and, and the bubble. And it's been really an action packed week of the NBA down, uh, down in Orlando. It's been fun to watch, been really exciting. And we'll start in the Western Conference with the Lakers, who clinched the number one seed on Monday. I mean, Anthony, I mean, those two, the two games they won, Anthony Davis has played really well. LeBron James, I say he's played well, but not up to. LeBron James capability. We'll see what happens. I have no doubt, though, that playoff LeBron will show up for the for the Lakers, even though they clinched the number one seed. So, uh, but if you we also look at another team, LA team, the Clippers, who are clearly who are probably going to get the number two seed. I personally think they're the best team in the NBA and the best team in the Western Conference. Because if you look at the two teams between the Lakers and Clippers, yeah, the Lakers have probably a better duo. I mean, LeBron and uh, AD. And Kawhi and Paul George. I'll take LeBron and AD over Kawhi and Paul George. But, and I think because I think LeBron and Kawhi are close, and then AD is clearly better than Paul George. But where the difference for me is, is players three, four, and five. If you look, because the Clippers, Lou, you got Lou Williams, Montres Harrell, who hasn't even played in the bubble yet, uh, Marcus Morris. And you look, if you look at the Lakers, uh, really the third best player, Kyle Kuzma. After that, there is a major, major drop off. Who, who is the Lakers' fourth best player? You can't even really name who the Lakers' fourth best player is. That's why I think with the depth is depth is the biggest difference. Why I think the uh, Clippers are the better team, are the best team in the West, and they're a better team than than the Lakers. Yeah, I got to go with that. You know, definitely with that the depth reasons. You know, the fourth best players. I'm kind of looking at it. I'm trying to look at the roster here. I, is it Danny Green? Is it Caldwell Pope? Dwight Howard? I, it, Dwight Howard. Crazy, you're saying Dwight Howard as a yeah, fourth five, best player five six years ago. Yeah. Um, he did have 15 rebounds though last night, eight and 15. Not a bad night for. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is this, this isn't 2000. This isn't 2003 in the NBA, dude. Okay, come on. Yeah, I, I know, I know. They played the Rockets, so as, as we all know, they do not have a center right now. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. But anyways, yeah, I, I think it's got to be the Clippers with the depth. And when they get Harold back, I know they're down by five right now, the Blazers. But I know. Um, yeah, but you expect them to lose that. You expect them to lose that game. Kawhi didn't even play. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So I'm not surprised. Um, hanging in there, but I definitely think it's, I think it's the Clippers. I, I, the main reason, yeah, is I'm with you is death. The Lakers do not really have, they don't have that after number three. They don't have that after Kuzma. They don't have that third guy that they can go to the, um, you know, like they, the Clippers can go to Morris. They could go to either, uh, Harold or Lou Williams, you know, 
they don't they, they have that other option with the Lakers they don't and I know the Lakers you know I know LeBron and AD they've been playing playing well but their offense without them it, it's been struggling I don't think they've hit over a hundred yet. Yeah, but let's let let's be real. Two of those games, the last two games, meant nothing for them. I mean, they didn't. The OKC game meant nothing because they had already clinched Monday, and then the then the game against the Rockets, LeBron didn't even play. So yeah, you can criticize their offense, but let's be fair. Those games really didn't matter. Okay. Yeah, they didn't, and they, you know, and I'm saying, you know, because they didn't have LeBron or AD, so they don't. So I'm saying, you know, they didn't have a guy that really couldn't could step up. I kind of fear maybe it's a kind of a game where they can find that next piece and kind of help LeBron and AD to a final um, and, and get by the Clippers. That's kind of what I'm interested to see in those type of games when they're not in there, but we really haven't seen one of those guys really have a huge impact and, and kind of be able to uh, lead them. No, no. And, and the Clippers just, they, they have, they have the depth. They really haven't had a full team yet. And when the Clippers are fully healthy, they're 10 and one this season. So for me, that's the best team in the Western conference and the best team in the NBA. Yeah, I gotta agree with you because I have not really liked the way the Bucks have been playing lately. So I, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm, I'm with the Clippers. I think they're, they're the best one, and this is the year. And I think coaching as well too. I, I think Doc Rivers is one of the best coaches in the NBA too. I think absolutely advantage. Absolutely. And so we look at the three and four seeds in the Western Conference: the, uh, the Rockets and the Nuggets. And we'll start with the Rockets. And they, 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 they've been playing a lot of small ball and. It helps them at times, but I think eventually, if you get a, a bad shooting night from James Harden, not having that inside game is going to hurt them, especially when they play a team like the Clippers is a terrible matchup because the Clippers have the best perimeter defense in the NBA. The Lakers they could potentially hang with because th- their perimeter defense isn't as well, and, and 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 the Rockets have a little bit more scoring because they could they could outscore the Lakers. So I I could see them you know maybe beating the Lakers, but the Clippers I just can't see them beating them the way they're structured because the the perimeter defense of the Clippers is, is just so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of the same. They definitely beat the Lakers because the Lakers may not, you know, if, if you can slow down LeBron and AD, you have a great chance. If you, if you, you know, um, the Clippers, there's four or five different options. And through the Bucks, I know they beat the Bucks. They, you know, that was a nice one against the Bucks tonight. The Bucks, though, had 69 rebounds and to 43. Um, they had like 17 off of three. But in the difference of that game was the Bucks had 22 turnovers. They cut down some of those turnovers. And, and they won that game because the Rockets had 30 points off a of turnover. So the Bucks take care of the ball and they beat the Rockets. But that, that was a nice one for Houston. I, I was a little surprised to see them beat Milwaukee. I get, I, and you know, you know me, Steve, I, I do not like the small ball game that they play. I think it's going to come back to haunt them in a lot of different ways. I, 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 I just don't like it. Robert Coventry is a starting big guy. He's what, 6'8, maybe 6'9? I don't like it. Uh, and I think it's gonna, it's really gonna hurt them, even if they get stuck playing like a Nuggets or, or the Jazz, like a Rudy Gobert. If they're sitting there as a four, you're gonna have to play Gobert. Um, you know, I, how do you? you know, I don't know if Robert Carter is really gonna slow him down on the glass. So I don't really think the, you know, they're playing the Lakers. I think they're a contender. If they're not, you know, they're they get the Clippers or the Nuggets or Jazz. I don't, I don't think they win that series at all. Yeah, I think I think they could be they could beat the Jazz. I think they definitely beat the Jazz. The Nuggets will be tough because of uh, Joe Cooch, but they probably won't face them because they'll be either the three or four seed. But I think they could beat the Jazz or the Thunder. They could win a round, but I just don't see it's going to be hard for them to win a second round a second round series playing the way that they play. But if you look at the Nuggets, the Nuggets are an interesting team because they pretty they're two and two during the restart. They haven't beaten great teams during the restart. They beat the Spurs and the Thunder, but. 
they really, they've been out their backcourt with uh, without Gary Harris and Jamal Murray. And there's been one player that's completely stepped up for this team during the restart. That's a Michael Porter Jr. He's averaging over 30 points a game during the restart. He has been outstanding for the Nuggets. And if they could get Porter Jr., Murray, and Joe Cooch playing at a high level, you never know the potential of this team in, in the postseason. You don't. And, and this is finally – we're finally seeing a healthy Michael Porter Jr. Because in um, he was supposed to be the number one pick in that 2000 um, – or 18 class right there. He was supposed to be the front, you know, the um, like the big, uh, big favorite. And then the back injury really um, hurt him. And he got kind of pushed back all the way to the last pick in the lottery and uh, to the Nuggets. So this is a huge steal for uh, the Nuggets, getting him where they did. I know he lost a full first season, but now we're seeing him healthy. And it, it's so much, it's so fun to watch. And yeah, if he can stay healthy now, and with uh, Joku and Murray, it's it, that's a that's a nice young core three right there, and that could you know make noise in the Western Conference for for a while. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So we got, but we do we do have a major race in the Western Conference, and that's the eight seed, and that, that's going to be very interesting between Memphis, Portland, San Antonio, New Orleans, and the Phoenix Suns. And, and we'll start we'll start with we'll start with Portland, who has been three and one since the restart. They, I mean, Damian Lillard's playing really well. Uh, you got Nerfage back, which is a bit, which is big. You got obviously you got McCollum, and then you got Carmelo Anthony. I mean, three and one since the restart. They beat the, the Nuggets the other the other night. They beat the Grizzlies, uh, and they beat the Rockets too. So they beat some they beat some some decent teams too. They're only one game out, and I think this 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 Portland team is the team that could potentially give the Lakers trouble in the playoff and if they get the AT, they could definitely potentially get the Lakers trouble. And if you look at their, their upcoming schedule, they got four games. Left. They're playing a game right now. They're beating the Clippers right now without Kawhi. They got the Sixers tomorrow without Ben Simmons. They got the, uh, they got the, the Mavs and then they got the Nets. So they got a very favorable schedule. So I would not be surprised. I would not be, I would be shocked if they're not playing for a playoff spot next weekend. Yeah, no, I wouldn't me neither. They, I really like the way they're playing. Um, they, yeah, they, they can really, this team could just fly out just, you know, with McCall or Lily McCall, um, Gary Trent's even been great off the bench. I yeah, of course. I knew you'd bring up Gary Trent cause he was a big college player for Duke. Yeah. Even though I'm not, not the biggest Duke fan, but yeah, no, no. he's playing well, um, that guard play, you know, they can kind of, if Gary Trent can kind of keep giving them minutes and keep scoring for him, it, it's a great help off the bench and kind of. Um, take some pressure off Lillard and McCollum. So yeah, I definitely think that this team could make some noise as an eight and, and give maybe the Lakers a run for the money. Maybe uh, I could definitely see that possible because the way they can score the basketball, if they can play their defense can step up and play a little bit better. You know, I definitely think this, this could be a scary eight seed for, for the Lakers. Cause this is a team that, you know, fully healthy could maybe be a five, six, you know, maybe, maybe a four seed. That's probably pushing it for, but I say five or six. Yeah, they can be in the middle of the pack in that Western Conference. Yeah, they got to the Western Conference Finals last year. Yeah, they did. Uh, We look at a team who's playing their way out of the playoffs. That's the Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, they're one and four. They did win yesterday. They got their first win of the restart yesterday. They beat the Thunder. But, I mean, you look at what they got left. They got the – they got they got the Raptors, the uh, Celtics, and the Bucks. So you got the top three teams in the East. Yeah, they might not be playing for a lot, so they might get lucky there. But you have one of your better players in Jaron Jackson out too. So this team, I wouldn't be completely surprised if this team ends up not even making the make make, make not even getting into that play in, the playing round. Yeah, it, you know, it wouldn't surprise. That's a tough schedule. They haven't been playing great. The loss of the Pelicans really hurts them. Um, you know, it, Jack, you know, losing Jackson really hurts, but. For a team like this, I still think, you know, 
that's a team nobody thought was going to be really in playoff contention this year. So um, I, it, it's probably going to be a rough ending for the Grizzly season. But it's something to build off of kind of um, as a Grizzly fan to kind of um, get excited about for the years to come with, with Moran and Jackson. You know, they, they did finally beat the Thunder by 30. But now, yeah, but as you're saying, the Raptors, Celtics, and Bucks is not a um, – that's a that's a tough three if teams are playing. You know, that's a tough matchup for maybe if guys are resting for those three teams. Um, it's it, they're still going to be tough to beat for Memphis. What team has made you scratch your head during the restart? And that has been the that's been the Pelicans and their use of Zion Williamson. And I mean, obviously, the first game they only played in 15 minutes. They lost by two points. We all know that if Zion would have played, uh, even you know, even 25 minutes in that game, they would have won. I mean, because he's played well. He's averaged over 20 points a game after the restart. I mean, then again, they got blown out to the Clippers. Uh, and then they, they beat they beat the Grizzlies. They beat the Grizzlies. The Zion played a little bit more. And then they lost your, your, your King's only win during the restart is against the Pelicans, where they, where they, in the game where the Pelicans played no defense. So, yeah, the usage of Zion has been really, really weird. And then, no, still, no they, they, I forget, they did beat the Wizards. But who's counting if you beat the Wizards during the restart? Anybody can beat the Wizards during the restart. The Wizards are terrible right now without Beal and Wall. So, yeah, they're two and three since the restart has happened. And and just, I remember, I'm going to give Joe Lowe some some credit here because I remember listening to him on Keys to the City when he said the, the Pelicans really don't care if they don't make the playoffs. He was right about that. He was right. And, and you've seen that from the way they've used Zion. They've really not played Zion more than over 22 minutes a game. They put him on a minutes restriction. And it, it's definitely hurt them during the restart because you could argue Zion wasn't put on a minutes restriction. They could be four and one right now. And even you look at their upcoming schedule, too, it's very favorable. They got San Antonio tomorrow. They got your Kings again, even though you guys might have their number <laughs> beating them the first time. And then they got the Magic. So they're very favorable schedule. There's definitely a chance if they if they increase Zion's minutes that they could definitely get into that play into that playing round. They could beat out, Mem- beat out Memphis and get into that playing round. They definitely could. It just, you know, it's only two about New Orleans. It just, it's not an NBA town. It just does not have that feel like it's a big kind of NBA. Like they – Embrace, like they probably embrace this team because you have Zion, but like it just doesn't. I don't know. I it just feel it's not like the big kind of NBA town, and, and they're not. They, you know, like, it, it's like a Saint city. I, you know, when you have the Saints, but it's been interesting the way they've used Zion. I still don't understand how they gave up one forty to the Kings because the Kings. I've been just pounding my head against a wall watching King games uh, the last two weeks because of how bad they've been. Um, I just I, I don't understand I you know it just seems like they're ready for next year and the year after they kind of know look you know we're we're gonna get an eight seed anyways do we really want to play the Lakers in the first round I that's really all I got because you know I I, I don't really understand why they're using Zion like this I I know he was hurt all year but it, it seems like he's healthy it's it, it I don't, I don't I, you know it just seems like they're packing it up and just getting for ready for next year that's kind of what it looks like to me. Yeah, yeah, it, it kind of seems it kind of it kind of seems like it. If they lose tomorrow to the Spurs, they're pretty much done. And we'll and we'll talk about the Spurs. Probably the most boring, you know, team that's trying to compete for that Western Conference spot. But you know, with, with Pop, they're there. DeRozan's a good player, and you know, they're looking at their upcoming schedule, they got the uh, they got the Pelicans tomorrow, the Rockets, and the Jazz. So that schedule's a little bit difficult. But the Jazz have been sitting a lot of guys out, and the. Uh, and, and the Rockets could have their spot clinched by then. So I wouldn't be surprised if I see the Spurs, you know, playing in that play-in tournament as well. No, I wouldn't either. And, and you know, they, they're hanging around with, without their second, third, or fourth leading score. They're they're hanging around. And they're, you know, and they, they've been playing pretty well. They're, yeah, uh, 
three and two so far. And I remember watching the first night against the Kings. It kind of it seems like a team's got you know again when you have Greg Popovich as your coach, you're in pretty good hands as long as you have a decent decent team. Um, you know, actually surprising. Rudy Gay's actually been playing pretty well for him. like they they've kind of had some guys, um, you know, step up. Danny White's been great for him. Um, or Derek White, you know, um, but yeah, you know, I this definitely is first team that's going to be in the mix in that playing round. And and when you get Greg, um, he can coach him to get to that eight seed as well. Absolutely. And lastly, for, for all the last thing we'll talk about the uh, Suns, and they've been the best team pretty much since the restart. It started four and zero, and Devin Booker is on a tear, man. He's he's showing you why he absolutely should have been an All Star. I think the biggest reason he wasn't because of his team's record and the market he's in. Devin Booker is definitely a top twenty five player in this league. He's one of the top shooting guards in this league. He's got that Mamba mentality, and he's been playing re- really, really well. They had the upset over the Clippers on Tuesday. Unfortunately, I could see that game because I didn't have power. I wish I would have been able to see it, but you know. But, Devin Booker's been playing really well. and But the, the, the thing is, is you, but you do look at Phoenix's schedule. It's tough at the end. They got Miami, at Miami tonight. They got OKC at Philly and Dallas. They got a shot, but they're two and a half games out. I think, unfortunately, it's been a great story. We watched Devin Booker play, but I think, unfortunately, they're going to miss the playoffs. They're not going to get into that play-in tournament. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's a tough couple games with the way the Heat are playing. <laughs> Uh, you still got Thunder and Sixers and Mavs. It's, it's a tough four-game stretch that they got here. Again, the way Booker is playing, I guess nothing's out uh, of the – you know, nothing should be off the table, I guess. But it's going to be tough to make up those two-and-a-half games right now. Um, but, again, I think for the Suns, the future looks bright, though, with, with Booker. And even Aiden, I think, the other night had a uh, double-double, um, I, I, I believe. He, uh, yeah, t- 23 and 10. So, even Aiden, you know, Aiden's been playing well. Uh, all five of the starters were in double digits. It just seems like this Suns team's kind of gaining some chemistry here, and the bubble's been good for them because they, they've been playing really well. Um, I you know, it's gonna be a tough team to face in, in the uh Western Conference. You know, if, if Booker and Aiden kind of hang around in Phoenix and kind of take that next step again, it's very congested already at Western Conference, but it's a team I could definitely see make a playoff spot next year. Absolutely. And we'll go, we'll go to the Eastern Conference. And obviously, we know the Bucks are the best team in the Eastern Conference. Giannis said it after the game on Thursday. If we don't beat ourselves, we're, we're going to go to the NBA Finals. So we know the Bucks are clearly the best team in the East. The question, who is the biggest threat to the Bucks in the Eastern Conference? Is it the Raptors? Is it the Celtics? Or is it the Heat? And the, the, the thing, and, and this, I, I don't put the Pacers and Sixers in that conversation. The Pacers, you know, Old Depot's not been 100%. And they don't have as a bonus right now. And the Sixers, they lost Ben Simmons and 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 Embiid and Harris are not enough for them to make a deep playoff run. So to think of who the second best team is, and in my opinion, looking at all three teams, I'm going to go with the Boston Celtics. And I, yes, you could say it's recency bias because of the game last night when they beat the Raptors by 20. But if you look at the Celtics, I think Tatum is 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 one of the t- is, is close to being a top 15 player. He's in, in the league. He's been he's he's had a great year. Uh, you, and they have two other guys who've averaged 20 points a game with Kemba Walker and uh, Jalen Jalen Brown. So they, they they have enough scoring, I think. And you look at the game, the, the first game of the restart for them against the Bucks. Tatum did not have a good game at all, and they still almost beat the Bucks. So that's why I would definitely say the Celtics are the second best team. You look at the Ra- the Raptors; they've been a good story this year, losing Kawhi Leonard. But you could see in a game last night that's where they miss a player like Kawhi Leonard on both ends of the floor. I mean, Pascal Siakam's a really good player. But I still don't consider Pascal Siakam a superstar yet. He really hasn't proved he could be a superstar in the postseason. I mean, and they also, you know, Van Fleet's improved. But again, 
You know, he, he's got to prove it in the playoffs. He played well in the playoffs last year, but he's got to continue to prove that he could be a top player in the playoffs. Lowry is good, but he's never been great. Uh, and then you look at the Miami Heat. Yes, the Miami Heat do have or a great defensive player. They do have a great defensive player in Bam Adebayo, and they've had and they had Jimmy Butler, who is one of the top players in the league. The problem, though, is Adebayo is not a great scorer. Really, out the Heat really only have uh, one top scorer, and that's Jimmy Butler. The rest are decent scores. Like you know, Adebayo is a decent scorer, but he's not a great scorer. Spolster's done a really good job, but I just don't think the Heat have enough scoring, or the Raptors have enough uh, star power to be as big of a threat to the Bucks as the Celtics are. Yeah, and um. You know, for me, the biggest the biggest threat to the rat uh, to the Bucks. It, it's gonna surprise you, Steve. I think it's the Heat. I know they do not have enough scoring, but I think it's the way they play defense. And Bam Adebayo, in the one meeting they played this year, really played well against Giannis. He they does. Play. Yes, they do have the defensive answer for Giannis, but Giannis did put up thirty three points against them the other night. Okay. Yeah, Bam, Bam, Bam. I only think played like twelve minutes of that game though. So, oh, I know. Okay. All right. Gotcha. I got you there. So I think that um, Miami, I think because now if they can kind of keep my, if they can keep the Bucks down towards, the, you know, high 90s, low 100s, I think they could take them in a seven game series. I really do. I really like, because I think Spolster is one of the best coaches in this league. Yeah. I remember when we didn't think Spolster was that good of a coach when, when, when he was coaching LeBron. And now he's like one of the top coaches in basketball. Yeah, because the, the be able to what he, what he's done with his team and be seventeen games over five hundred is pretty impressive. You know, I love the way Kendrick Nunn's been playing. You know, played this year. I know he's rookie of the year finalist. Bama Bio, I think he, I think he can do enough to to um, you know, slow down Giannis. Again, I don't think you're ever going to stop Giannis, but kind of, um, you know, where he's not going to have a forty point night. And I think if they can kind of get enough scoring. And keep the Bucks around the '90s, 100s. I think this is a team that that definitely can can win. I because I, I I take Spolster over Busenheiser or Busenholzer. Busenholzer, you know, Busenholzer was a really good coach. Yeah, he is. Uh, but but Spo is a better coach. I'll give you that. Yeah, so I I, I think he could. Um, I I think that he do have the better coach in that aspect as well. Um, and I thought for a while now, I know they lost by 14, but the Bucks the other night, but. Um, they played a really good first half, and it just seemed like in the second, uh, Miami just I, – I don't – they just uh, – they, they just disappeared in the second half. Um, but they played a really good first half the other night, and I, I think they I think they can take them. Because, again, the Celtics, they've been playing better the last few games. At the beginning, I, I kind of was not liking what I was seeing. The last few nights, you know, um, were better. Uh, and, and the Raptors, you know um, – I'm definitely with Siakam. Can he take that next, you know, without Kawhi now? Can he be that type, that guy? Um, it, it, Lowry had a big day the other day of the other night, but I, I think it's Miami. I think because of defense, I think you're going to have to um, slow down Giannis. I think the Heat have the best answer for that, the way they play, the way they play that hard-nosed defense. Yeah, Pat, you can't argue this. Pat Riley and Eric Spolster definitely have their imprint on this team. Yep. So we're going to wrap the show heading up north. Uh, to, to talk about the NHL playoffs. And before we get to the local teams, we have to talk about the comeback last night by the Maple Leafs. They were down 3 nothing with four minutes to go, facing elimination, scored three goals in four minutes to tie the game, and then score the game-winning goal to win the game. And now they force a game five tomorrow night against the Blue Jackets. Did you see any of that game last night, Justin? I mean, I, I was watching Sports Center. I saw that the Maple Leafs made the comeback. Then I switched over to see the overtime. Did you see any of that game last night? 
I would not, I did not, because I had so no power. I saw the highlights and I kind of read some stuff. I, unfortunately, this seems like a, this is a game I, I love to, to love to watch. So unfortunately, no, but I saw the highlights. I, you know, I, I was reading the stats and all that. So unfortunately, no, I really wish I did though. I wish I had the powers. Yeah, now the uh, Blue Jackets and uh, Maple Leafs, no, the Blue Jackets and Maple Leafs will play to see who advances onto the next round. Great, just an unreal comeback by the Maple Leafs in that game. But we'll get to the local teams, and we'll start with, with our Rangers. And they were in the playoffs for a very, very short time. I mean, only three goals in three games. They were swept by the Hurricanes. And we could pretty much, it's pretty much safe to say, this is the end of Lundqvist's career Sadly. with the Rangers. Sadly. It, it it stinks, and I know the thing. The only thing is, though, he wants to end his career as a Ranger. He doesn't want to go anywhere else. So it's either he stays here, or you know, they, I, you know, I, you know, maybe somebody, you know, maybe they do trade him. He, he's okay with getting traded and going somewhere else. But it really seems like he wants to be a Ranger for life, and he doesn't care, and, and he'll stick around. But which would be great to see. I'm. I feel bad. The guy, we're never able to uh, hoist a Stanley Cup for him. Because he definitely deserved it. I mean, yeah, you had those teams in 12. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, 12, 14, that got to the Cup, 15. The, one of those three years could have very easily been a championship year, and it didn't end up happening. Yeah, it's, it's disappointing. And, it, and it, none of it was his fault either. He pretty much put the team on, you know, the back, um, especially in that Stanley Cup against the Kings. That was the only Oh, yeah. They shouldn't have sweat. But I know they only won five games, but it, it, that uh, the one game they won, he – he pretty much all five games. He he pretty much did all he could. Um, so it's disappointing, but um, that uh, Lundqvist ends kind of like this. But you know, again, the future looks bright in New York. Yeah, I mean, Panarin had a had a, had a great year, and if he continues to play that well, the Rangers will st- will still be I don't say a championship contender, but they'll be back to being a playoff contender. Yeah, they will. And, and I don't know if you heard about this, but they have a shot still to have the number one draft pick. Oh, wow. That'd be nice. So the draft lottery, I guess, with all the bubble teams, it kind of ended up where it fell all in the place. And, the you know, I think the coin flip was on Monday, but I haven't seen all the details of everything yet just because not all the teams are eliminated yet. But I think they have a good shot at it. I forget. Um, you know, I think the, the percentage is high, higher. Um, it's a coin flip. I guess it's going to be decided Monday. So it, it could kind of be a blessing in disguise. They got knocked out very early. Um, but, hey, you know, um, Carolina's forecheck was just so much. It, the way Carolina played when they took the lead was just impossible for the Rangers to overcome that. The way they forechecked, um, again, they especially that game one, they no pass, I don't think. You know, I think every pass Rangers had, Carolina either stole it or, def- or put some type of stick on it or body in front of it. Um, what they did defensively against them was uh, unbelievable. And the Rangers, I thought, okay, they took the lead in game three, and I thought, all right, this could be one they steal and um, just fall apart in the third period. I thought for the first 40 minutes, they were much better that game than Carolina. They were better than Carolina, um, but it just was not meant to be. They kind of fell, just fell apart in the third period. Game one and two were very tough to watch, but game three I felt confident about first 40 minutes, but the last 20 just uh, – just um, just really struggled in, in game three. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. So we'll go to the Bruins, and, you know, we all thought, you know, for a good part of the season, the Bruins were going to have the number one seed. But, 
you know, they've, they've lost their two games to, to the, to the lightning and to the flyers and they, and they have to beat the uh, capitals tomorrow to not be the number four seed. I mean, luckily for them, the penguins lost, they wouldn't play the penguins. They played the hurricanes, but still they don't want to end up being that number four seed. And the Bruins have not been playing well. And they got, and they got, they got a big game against the capitals uh, tomorrow. Yeah. And actually um, they're doing it this year too. It's reseeding. So um, that actually may not kind of pan out for them. Um, it, it's um, they'll reseed yeah. after the, uh, yeah, but if they reseed the the sixth seed would because the Hurricanes would play the Bruins because they're the sixth. If the Bruins lose and the, they play play the Hurricanes, and if they win, I just if, gotcha. Oh, and, I thought you were talking about they're playing the Kings. yeah, and and, and if they and if they win, they play the Islanders. Okay, all right, never mind. Yeah, sorry about that. I didn't hear you. Uh, I bet. Um, but yeah, you know, um, for Bruce Cassidy, it's been weird. You know, they haven't. I think only two guys only played more than like twenty minutes of their day. He's been really managing them kind of everybody's kind of been playing really like um 50 50 50 per, per you know pretty much of it um they haven't been great um in, in the period in the late second they got down to nothing they started to kind of open their eyes a bit said all right here we go it just wasn't enough to come back um but um they're better when they're physical they're getting out on the four check um Again, it's tough for you know a team like this too. It, it's unfortunate, and you wonder how they bounce back because this is a team that they were the, the runaway favorite. They were up ten points going into the break. They were pretty much had the one seed, pretty much clinched. I think there was like ten games left. They had a 10, 11, 12 games, something like that. Like they pretty much had that seed clinched up. So it, it's unfortunate, and now it's kind of all right. You know, we're not going to get that one. Um, they still get the Presidents Cup though for having the best record. Oh, they do. Yeah, they they still do. Um, nobody and uh, the last one, the last President Cup to win that in Stanley Cup was 2013. So it's it's been a while. Um, it, it seems like the curse is already kind of affecting. As we saw, the Lightning won it last year, and Carolina bounced them. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, it was uh, Columbus actually. Columbus bounced them. Yeah, out pretty quickly last year, not Carolina. Um, but it's been disappointing a few days, and now you get a cap team as well coming in. Um, that's um zero and two as well. So it's staying out of that uh four seed, so you don't get um, you know, again now the Penguins are out. If you feel a little bit better about um the four, because you don't have to play Pittsburgh because that's a dangerous uh team, but it's it's still disappointing for the Bruins. You wonder how if they kind of come out and they play tomorrow, um. Cause it, you know, again, it, it does stink. It, it really does. And I, I'm not a Bruins fan. I don't really like the Bruins, but it, it's unfortunate again. And it, everything is unfortunate this year. Everything is just, you know, it's just, it's, everything is unfair this year. Yeah. It's the reality we're in right now. It is. And it's, you just got to be able to plow through that. And we'll see tomorrow if they're able to do that. It's just, you know, they just kind of been going through the motion, especially in game one. Cause it just seemed like the flyers wanted that thing. So much more. They finally scored, but the Flyers came back down the ice in eight seconds and put up another one on them. So, um, again, we'll, we'll see tomorrow what kind of type of effort they bring. I assume we're going to get a, a good team. We'll see. He kind of plays line one more. They only played about 18 minutes, the front, the three forwards. We'll see if he kind of gets them above 20 minutes or he kind of just, if Bruce Cassidy kind of now, all right, let's just, you know, get ready for the best of seven coming up. We'll, we'll see how he kind of manages the game on us tomorrow. Yeah, it's interesting to see how he's going to end up, how Katz is going to end up uh, playing that with, with the seven-game series coming up or, or what seed they got. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there.
But that's going to wrap it up on Sports Talk with R&J. For Justin Afrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking about the race for the eighth seed in the NBA playoffs. Have a great rest of your weekend, everybody.